Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, 877-973-7425. My buddy Matt sent me a link. Uh, I was talking about um, global warming earlier, and uh, he sent me for Skip Hall Airport. I have fond memories of Skip Hall Airport. Um, So when I was a kid, I was in a plane crash. I was 11 years old. And maybe I shouldn't say plane crash, but it was a, it was a, we kind of belly flopped on a runway. We didn't have wheels or flaps or they had to foam the runway. We had to go down the slide. Um, and it was on my way to Amsterdam uh, by myself as an 11 year old, no one else in the family on board the plane. Uh, my French teacher was on the plane with her husband. Uh, I just wanted to come home to see my grandparents early from Dubai for the summer. So my parents put me on and we, uh, plane had to ditch in, in Austria. And then we made it to Amsterdam and, uh, they had to, I mean, clean up the runway, all that sort of stuff, uh, get us on a different plane. Uh, and we made it and I got there. I mean, I, it was going to be like a, a very long delay anyway at the airport, and I, we finally made it, and I booked it through the airport. I knew my way. I'd been to Schiphol so many times. They closed the door in my face. The 747 to get to Atlanta was there, but they weren't letting me on it because I wasn't with my parents. And then they saw the bracelet on my arm and knew I was traveling alone and wanted to know where the flight attendant was who was supposed to escort me. Well, I ditched her to get to the plane and and made it. If they just opened the freaking door, I could have gotten on the plane. But nope, they did not. So I had to stay overnight in Amsterdam. And at Schiphol Airport, they were having a Jehovah's Witness conference. There were no rooms at any inn for little, little Master Erickson. So they put me at a Crown Plaza in the red light district in Amsterdam. I am not making this up. In the middle of the night, two hotel workers woke me up as they fell on my bed undressing, thinking the room was unoccupied. No, no, they had stuck me in the room late. Um, (laughs) Truce, y'all, it's a true story. It's a true story. Uh, I got, got whisked in a limo onto the tarmac the next day and, and got to sit in the front of the 747. They upgraded me, treated me like royalty. I landed in Atlanta, Georgia on my way to Baton Rouge. And when I got out of the international area and into the domestic area, I swear every person my family knew on the Eastern seaboard was there to make sure I still had 10 fingers, 10 toes and virginity. It was just, it was a heck of a ride. Uh, I got to see a lot in Amsterdam. I have fond memories of Skip Hall Airport. Skip Hall Airport has decided it needs to fight climate change. It is the third largest airport in Europe, and it's going to limit the number of flights out of Skip Hall Airport to 440,000 flights a year starting in 2023. It's an 11% reduction in the number of flights using pre-pandemic numbers to 2019 before international air travel collapsed. It is um, putting climate ahead of economic growth. It's alleged model uh, for the whole world. The Dutch government, which is the majority owner of Schiphol, said it'll bring down noise and nitrogen oxide. It's going to actually hurt air travel in Europe. It's going to, because Schiphol is such a major 
uh, corridor there. Here's the thing that you got to understand is that Schiphol is also a major um, uh, cargo aviation hub in Europe. And the result is that business will go elsewhere, but that business can only go to so many other places because of the runway length that Schiphol there aren't a lot of runways in Europe that can match it. So you're going to to put the climate above the real jobs of Dutch citizens, which is just another example of why the farmers are on strike and, and running around the Netherlands on their tra- and their tractors because the government has decided to put worldly climate ahead of their citizens, claiming they're helping their citizens. But it's such an abstract way when you can visibly see they're losing jobs and opportunity in the Netherlands, uh, the countries like this are, they believe that they're on the side of righteousness and they're hurting their citizens and provoking a revolt of the citizenry. It's just bizarre. I want to go to the phones. I actually want to go to Darren uh, talking about the coal burning plants and taxation and all. Darren, welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Eric? Great. Um, I just want to make a, a kind of a comment, I guess. Um, I don't feel like the Green New Deal, they, they don't realize the repercussions that, that it has. Uh, I work in the concrete industry in Atlanta, and we take the, um, the byproduct of them burning the coal, and we add it as um, a substitute for concrete. We, we can get rid of some of the cement and add slag or fly ash to our concrete to produce strength, and it, it helps reuse that stuff. We also, when they burn the coal, they can capture some of the carbon dioxide, and we can add that back to the concrete, and it adds a carbon cure, and it's also technically more sustainable, more green. Well, because of all of the taxation, they've stopped burning a lot of coal. Georgia Power uh, has stopped several of their plants burning coal, so we are currently out of that material so we have we we're having to find uh, we're having to use more concrete which in turn causes a little more carbon dioxide give off uh, they don't realize that all of the repercussions that it has for for everything they're doing it, it's more or less just uh, a feel-good bill that they pass um it they don't realize that it's going to halt growth throughout the country, the entire country. is. Wait, 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 wait. I, now, Darren, I, I got to stop you. They do realize it's going to slow or halt growth. They just don't care. I agree. Yes, that's 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 aptly said. Um, they, they don't. Yeah, and and, and they by don't the way, care. can I just say, Darren, so I'm, you know, the Romans were the ones who came up with the idea of adding ash uh, to their concrete mixture. It actually made it stronger over time um and i actually didn't realize that this was a how coal ash was used in the con- i mean it makes sense to me obviously but didn't really realize you guys were getting coal ash to put into the concrete because i mean the, the romans swore by this stuff i mean that's why you got so much of rome still standing was the the concrete that they produced of which we don't even have all their recipes for all the different types of concrete they made exactly and and it honestly um if you add slag, what's called blast furnace slag, if you add that to the concrete, it slows the curing process a little bit. So it helps some in, in the summer months, but it, it, it adds later strength. Um, and again, they just, they just don't care. Um, they don't real, they don't 
there's no other way to put it. They just don't care that it's going to put millions of people out of job. It's going to halt growth throughout the entire country. Um, but yeah, that, yeah, that was just kind of my call. Look, I, I appreciate uh, you calling in on that because that, that one, um, I, there are some of them, I think, that don't realize it. I do think there are some who don't realize it, but a lot of them realize it and they're okay with it. Uh, that 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 will adapt to do other things, and besides, all this building is bad anyway. It's why they want to go to the lead buildings, the the green buildings. You know, I actually that nerd alert, nerd alert, nerd alert, nerd alert. I am fascinated with the whole system of um, concrete, and particularly Roman concrete. It was uh, hydraulic setting concrete. Uh, it would harden uh, in the ocean. They could build their harbors. Uh, because of how they designed their concrete, they could set it underwater. So it was useful for bridges and waterside construction. And uh, you go to the, the Pantheon in Rome, it's Roman concrete, still standing, still hard. Uh, in fact, there have been some scientific exploration of some uh, Roman harbors that are still in use, and the concrete strength has gotten stronger over time. We're talking 2,000 years later. It's They would use volcanic ash uh, in it. Um, in 2013, the University of California published uh, an article uh, talking about uh, they finally were beginning to understand how Roman concrete bound materials together with calcium aluminum silicate hydrate. Uh, that uh, less carbon dioxide is released into the atmosphere with Roman concrete than with the modern concrete production process. But it takes longer to dry uh, and lower strength initially. Uh, it takes a while for the strength to develop in the Roman concrete. But it's also one of the reasons why Roman buildings had thicker walls than modern buildings because Roman concrete actually got its durability and its strength over time as the concrete set as opposed to initially so they had to build the walls stronger i'm just i'm fascinated by the whole subject of it it's it's one of those i love greek and roman history one of the highlights of my life as a kid growing up in dubai was our class our our school only went up to ninth grade and ninth grade was your senior class and then you went off to boarding school and in my ninth grade we took a trip and trot out the map of the eastern hemisphere where the dark lands you go and ours went in the aegean and so we went to greece and turkey we toured the islands got to see troy uh went to um went to uh, the peloponnesian peninsula a lot of athens didn't get up to mount olympus but it was just so cool to go to delphi go to corinth where paul preached uh, see the the parthenon and then uh, as i got older i was able to go to rome and I got to see the the Colosseum and see the the um, the Pantheon and, and it just it, I love Greek and Roman history. Uh, the West has nothing to be ashamed of. It's just just wonderful, uh, wonderful, wonderful Greece and Rome. Now crime and stuff are great there, but man, yeah, I like Roman food, Italian food better than Greek food. I'll tell you that. But they're wonderful people and beautiful countries. All right, uh, back to the phones eight seven seven nine seven three seven four two five. George, going to go to you next. Welcome, George. Hey, Eric. Welcome. Yeah, Eric. Hey, thank you, thank you, man. I listen to you a lot, and sometimes I, I know you talk about fossil fuels, and I don't think modern life is possible without fossil fuels. There, you, there are a lot of other byproducts that we use. Uh, we can't even run our hospitals without uh, plastic. Uh, so in this, uh, I mean, <laughs> the new uh, the packaging materials, the one-time use, uh, 
plastics. We can we can run modern life without it. Even carbon fiber is used to make uh, windmills. Right. The new air, yeah, the new airplanes are using a lot of carbon fiber, and without carbon fiber, I mean, we can't get the new modern airplanes that are lighter that can transfer, uh, can, can go across uh, the continent. It is wild to me the naivete of the uh, environmentalist left who are so deeply hostile uh, to fossil fuels. Look, I get it. The burning of fossil fuels causes pollution. I understand that. But uh, plastics, you're right, syringes in hospitals, uh, plastic tubing, uh, the tires for cars, all of these things. you got to have fossil fuels. you got to have oil air and gas. I mean, you, you can't run a modern hospital without air conditioning. Right. It, uh, it, I mean, it will be a, it will be a biohazard to. Uh, I mean, because yeah. of the dams uh, that are going to be generated there. Yeah, nobody wants to go in a hospital and smell it if the air conditioning hadn't been on. My gosh. Um, yeah, look, uh, George, I appreciate the phone call. You're right. And I, I, I think at the upper echelons of the left, they get it. But keep in mind as well. Yeah, might as well go there. Part of this is they are deeply Malthusian. They believe we have too many people on the planet anyway. And if we have to set life back for all of us, to kill off the weak so only the strong survive, that's a latent undercurrent within the environmentalist movement there is you got to get rid of some of the polluters to save the planet. And if that's you, well, all right, sorry, but um, you go on and die. It's, I look, I, I, I somewhat hyperbole, hyperbole here, but y'all know I'm telling the truth here. Uh, that's why they like abortion. Uh, they That's why they want abortion on demand everywhere because they are deeply worried about overpopulating the planet. And time and time again, they've been proven wrong in their scarce scenarios and they never learn their lesson. So you get rid of hydrocarbons, you get rid of development, you set people back, the mortality rate goes up, the planet, not us, the planet is saved. It's idol worship of creation. Everybody asked me about bowl and branch sheets. I actually put up a picture the other day. We got some in our house because we order from them. We actually are customers. They're like, oh my gosh, are they really that good? Yes, they get softer every single time you wash them. I mean, they use 100% organic cotton threads. They're super soft. You get such a good sleep. They have just the great weight to them. Like I had a pair of sheets we actually threw away when we replaced them with Bowling Branch where is they were just like too light and also not very soft. The Bowling Branch, they're perfect. The drape across your body when you sleep, absolutely perfect. Bowling Branch uses the highest quality threads on earth for superior softness, for a better night's sleep. They've got over 10,000 stellar reviews. Their signature sheets come in nine neutral colors in all sizes from twin to California King you will feel the difference and they're 100% free from toxins no pesticides no formaldehyde no harsh chemicals get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code eric e-r-i-c-k at bowlandbranch.com that's bowlandbranch b-o-l-l-a-n-d branch.com the promo code is eric e-r-i-c-k this hour of the program is brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Wherever you are nationwide, you want your business to grow. You need loans, $750,000 or more. Reach out to First Liberty, firstlibertyga.com. Tell them I sent you. See if they can work with you. They've been helping a lot of businesses get to yes where banks can only say no because they make their own decisions. Firstlibertyga.com. 
I, I'm if y'all will be patient with me, we got a number of people on, on the phone and y'all are more than welcome to call 877-973-7425. I actually want to answer wildcard email I've gotten from like three different people um, based on a, a post I put up on Instagram, something I said earlier as well. Y'all should follow me on Instagram anyway, E.W. Erickson. Uh, I probably need to send out how I cook my brisket. As I mentioned earlier, um, I have a rec tech. It's a pellet grill. Now I have a big green egg and I just don't use my egg anymore because I used it for about a decade. I mastered it. I love it. But now I just want to turn on my pellet grill and I get great results. I get really great results. I have one called a rec tech. They're made in Augusta, Georgia. This isn't an ad by the way, but I mentioned my brisket and they're like, well, aren't you using an Omaha steaks brisket? It's a fair question to ask. I've gotten that from three people. I don't want to hide from it. Uh, I've been a longtime customer of Omaha Steaks. I make no bones about it. I am proud to endorse them because I am also a longtime customer. But this weekend, um, we're going to my in-laws on Saturday, and I promised I would get a Wagyu brisket from Snake River Farms. Omaha Steaks is fantastic meat. Um, If you want really high-end and can afford to get the, the super Wagyu meats, Snake River Farms is where I buy that sort of stuff from. So I can get my burgers and chicken breasts and and my uh, bacon wrap fillets from Omaha Steaks. And then if I want a giant um, 16-ounce cowboy cut ribeye steak or I want a brisket to throw on the grill for a party, I go to Snake River Farms. And I have this 20-pound brisket and a 7-pound pork shoulder, Berkshire pork, pork shoulder. And I am going to smoke them. Well, I was, but my pellet grill broke. It had a clog. And when I turned on the motor, uh, the pin that turns the auger snapped. I've had the thing for a number of years. Uh, It finally wore out. This is the one downside of a pellet grill is that it's mechanical and parts break. Unlike a big green egg where you just clean it out and you put it. But I can fit all this meat on my Rectech. I've got the RT700, the bull they call it. Um, the nice thing about Rectic, as opposed to a Traeger or many of the other pellet grills you'll buy anywhere in the country, is the Rectech customer service sets them apart from everybody else on the planet. Literally, when I call, I get Brian. Brian, you know how you call your computer breaks and you call tech support and the tech support guy is some random dude who plays 20 questions with you to see if you really are as proficient with your computer as you claim to be. Like I can fix computers. I know how to fix computers. I'm technologically savvy. And every single time I have a real technical hardware problem and call, I got to go through the, okay, I know you don't know me, but here are all the things I already did. Please don't make me do them again. And inevitably, Apu tells me I got to redo all of the things to prove to him in Mumbai that I am as technically proficient as, as I am. With Rectech, I call. Brian answers the phone. Brian says, what's going on with your Rectech, Mr. Erickson? I say, here's what's happened. I took off the back. The motor fell out. This thing's broken. He says, can you send me a picture? I said, yes. He said, we've got the part in stock. I can send it to you. I said, look, I'm feeding my in-laws and a bunch of family this weekend. Can you overnight it? He says, we will make sure you have it tomorrow so that you can still feed your family on Saturday night. That is quality customer service right there, people. Um, Yes, I'm spending my time bragging about the the grill company of the grill that broke because every pellet grill is eventually going to have this problem. I've had mine for a number of years. It finally had the problem, Uh, but... They're fantastic. They're overnighting it to me. I've already got the email, the confirmation, the tracking and everything. Um, Brian at Rectech saved my weekend 
They're a wonderful company, great people. They're in Augusta, Georgia, by the way. Um, and yes, while they individually make the parts out of China for cost, they're higher quality steel than the stuff you get at the big box stores. And they put everything together here. The computer board is all American made and holds up way better than all the other brands. Howdy. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson, 877-973-7425. I want to spend time with my lovely listeners. I am going to go first to Lisa. Welcome to the program, Lisa. Hi there. How are you? Doing well. I just had a, a question for you. Um, I think the last two and a half years with COVID has kind of shut down flying and driving for a time, basically worldwide. And I just wondered if you were aware of any studies by scientists or environmentalists on the effect of that? Uh, so NASA released a report, actually, I'm trying to think, when was it? It was about this time last year. Hang on a second. Uh, I bet I can find it. Um, yeah. Uh, lockdowns brought global ozone reductions. Um, their emissions of nitrogen oxide, which create ozone, decreased 15% globally, locally, as high as 50%. Now, this isn't global warming per se. Um, it's other uh, ozone reductions. But you can see why uh, lockdowns were cheered by so many people on the left, as have economic mm -hmm. slowdowns been cheered. In fact, if you remember, there was that uh, when Italy was shut down. People were like, oh, my gosh, you can see to the bottom of the canals in Venice. The, the water is so clear. Who knew? Um, cheering down, shutting the economy down to heal Mother Earth. Um I got to tell you, I'm, I'm, and this is a tangent. I apologize, Lisa. Thank you for the phone call. We really are seeing idol worship here, people worshiping creation instead of creator. Uh, the, the, the entire environmentalist movement is idolatry. Um, and the, the we must be penalized as humanity to save Mother Earth, precious Mother Earth, as opposed to adapt. We have always adapted. You know, there used to be glaciers through North America. There were people around, and there were there were glaciers around, and we adapted. There was a little ice age in, in the late 1700s, early 1800s. We adapted. We, we continue to adapt, but now suddenly we're incapable. We must save the planet 10 years, or, or we're all going to die. We're not going to die. We'll be fine. They've been telling us we had 10 years left for about 50 years now. Okay. Got that off my chest. Midge, you're going to be next. Welcome. Oh, good show, Eric. Eric, Thank I'm, you. I'm wondering what when the um, when there's debates. Okay, why won't one of the commentators ask the question? Don't tell us what you're gonna do. We already know that. Tell us what you have done for your constituents. Look, that's the question they should ask. It's the one whenever I get politicians on and, and they want to go forward, I, I ask them uh, if they've served what they've done. You know, by the way, though, uh, there's an article, I think it's in Politico today. It's not worth my time giving them too much attention for it. But they actually have a story uh, about how one of the reason Republican candidates aren't doing so well is they went with non-career politicians. I'm not making that up. Uh, and they pointed to Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania and to J.D. Vance in Ohio, who, by the way, everybody thinks is going to win. And Blake Masters in Arizona, who's got a real good shot. And then um, Herschel Walker in Georgia. They're like, these are non-professional politicians. I can't believe the GOP would use unpolished, non-professional politicians. Maybe 
It's because the GOP's gotten tired of the professional politicians who don't keep their promises. Mm, that could be, and that provides a compelling message for them moving forward with people so cynical. As Image says, don't tell me what you're going to do. What have you done for me? Although I will say for re-elections, uh, don't dwell on the past. You do have to paint a vision for, okay, you did all this stuff. Here, I'm going to remind you, here's all the stuff I did. Now, uh, what are you going to do in the future? That's that's another big one uh, to to focus on. All right, uh, last call of the day. Philip, I'm going to you. Welcome. Hi, Eric. Hi there. Greetings from beautiful North Georgia mountains. Oh, what part? And, uh, um, up in Blairsville. Oh, such we a beautiful always get area. The, uh, beautiful, beautiful Blairsville. It always is in the weather forecast. <laughs> yeah, it is beautiful. I got to tell you. Well, thank you. Uh, my uh, comment is going back to what you were talking about earlier, the WNBA and the uh, prisoner over in Russia. And, you know, I, I think about, you know, uh, auto warm beer being in North Korea and how much time he spent there before President Trump brought him home. And now we have the WNBA player there and the importance that they stress on her. Why doesn't the union and the WNBA pool all of their resources financially to bribe the Russians, because there's always something in the media about Russian collusion and whatnot. Why can't the WNBA pool their resources to bribe them to bring her home with all of their influence and as big an entity as they are? That is, <laughs> that is that's my question. Well, because if now they that, tried, I mean, that, we that, would and, suddenly and, and, realize and, and, they're not that big. Well, uh, that that's true. I, I believe that, and you know, they—it uh, reminds me of a, a joke that was told some years ago about a person from Atlanta going over to get a suit in Birmingham, and they said, "Well, we can make you two suits over here." And says, "Why is that? Because well, you're not as big a person over in Birmingham as you are in Atlanta." <laughs> That's the truth. I mean, the WNBA goes around the world, and people are like, "What does that stand for?" Yeah, yeah, I mean, look. yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I, back in 2001, I just had enough and, or excuse me, 2002, I had enough and just dropped out. And I spent a couple of days in the hotel there at the airport in Amsterdam just to regroup in my travels across the continent. And I realized then as a 48 year old man that there are laws in, in every country on this planet. And if you don't abide by them, there are consequences to those. Funny how that works. And, you know, and, and it's funny how it works. Correct. But, you know, some people just think, you know, and have gotten too big for their britches that, you know, it doesn't apply to me. So anyway, yeah. just. Uh, Look, um, I, I, um, I appreciate it very I, much. I, I, want, I want to say one last thing, if I may. Go for I it. I go all the way back. I go all the way back to your show uh, on WSB, whenever you first got started, long before Red State, um, in the evenings that you had four to six or mm-hmm. five to seven or whatever it was. And uh, I enjoy listening to you because, you know, you are right. It's your show. You can talk about the things you want to. And, and the majority of things that you talk about do matter. 
and uh, I appreciate that. I'll just I'll just close off. Well, look, I I appreciate it so much. God bless bless you, you. and you know, and you know, be like you know, Paul to you know Timothy. Yeah, run, keep the fight. You know, yeah, keep the faith, finish the run, and keep the keep the well look. Thank you very much, Philip. I appreciate it. And I'm jealous of you up in Blairsville. Um, I need to get back up to the Lake Burton area in Clayton. Uh, that's become my happy place. Uh, my wife, I think, is ready to go too. One day I want a house up there in the mountains. A lot of land, a river that runs through it so I can go fly fishing whenever I want. Um, or a house on Lake Burton, which is there too expensive. Y'all, you're not, you're not for the, the Lake Burton is this beautiful lake. It's the furthest lake north in Georgia. It's up in the mountains. It's always cool. It's got great fishing. It's got beautiful views. And I just, I just relax. I like those places where I can just relax. Um, so uh, Philip was saying, I, I, I pick topics and they're usually relevant. I got to talk about this topic again, because this sticks in my crawl here. I want to play you this audio. This is a health official from San Francisco. Are you seeing a stigma? I mean, are you worried that monkeypox, between the name, between the connotations, between everything, that there's already people being stigmatized and they're too afraid to come forward and either be treated or get vaccinated? You know, we, we think from, from day one we were thinking about stigma, and particularly this city with its history of HIV-AIDS activism and act- advocacy from the community and alongside Uh, the Department of Public Health and our academic partners at UCSF, this is something we always think about. And so our messaging and our work with community and to the public is really to avoid stigmatizing language, to avoid stigmatizing communities. And we know that we're going to have to work hand in hand with communities in order to prevent further transmission and to protect people's health. So it is very much a, a consideration and a concern here. Stigma. They're worried about stigma. Washington Post, thousands of gay men clad in leather, latex, and often much less, partied along Folsom Street here last weekend during the annual Kink and Fetish Festival. Even after the city had declared the monkeypox outbreak striking its gay community health emergency, San Francisco public health officials made no attempt to rein in festivities or warn attendees to have less sex. At the center, at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, way whether to recommend limiting sexual partners, health officials in San Francisco, Chicago, New York, and other U.S. cities battling surges disproportionately sickening gay men are avoiding calls for sexual restraint, wary of further stigmatizing same-sex intimacy. If people want to have sex, they are going to have sex," said California State Senator Scott Weiner. Democrat of San Francisco, uh, not making up his last name, people, who is involved in the city's monkeypox response. I know people who normally go to sex parties who will not. People will make their own decisions about their own risk levels. Many public health officials and activists who spent decades on the front lines of the battle against HIV AIDS say they've learned it's futile to tell people to have less sex. We live in a decadent society. The people who shut down churches, but not marijuana dispensaries. The people who shut down schools, but not liquor stores. Are the people 
who can't bring themselves to tell gay men to stop having orgies. Y'all, we have a real problem as a society when we can't be honest. They're more worried about stigmatizing the gay community. What's worse? What's a worse stigma? Telling gay men stop having group sex or getting monkeypox? A mom in Atlanta has gotten monkeypox. She didn't participate in a gay orgy. She worked at a gas station. Minority, single mom providing for her family, got monkeypox from someone at a gas station where she came into contact with someone. Don't tell me your gay orgy doesn't affect the rest of us now. It affected this mom. This mom has the stigma because we know where monkeypox is spreading. And here's this heterosexual single mom who got it from somewhere there. That's stigmatizing. Uh, the, the people in your office who get it because you couldn't keep your hands off the, out of the, the gay orgy. Uh, and, and now the people who are married and have kids are getting it from you. There's the real stigma there. It's everyone whispers by their back. What did they do to get it? You want to stop the stigma, just two weeks, no orgies. You told us two weeks to stop the spread, and that was two years ago, and, and people are still telling us, well, you can't see grandma this week and put your mask back on because COVID's spreading again. It's, it's, it's the 55th round of COVID, Omicron, Zeta variant 5,000. The, the midterm election variant is about to come out. We, we got to stay home. You can't touch anything. Put on your latex gloves. Don't go to work. Don't go to church. Don't go to school. Leave your mask on. Wear your hazmat suit. But hey, if you want to go to a gay orgy, you, go ahead. We don't want to stigmatize the monkey box. This is madness. This is madness. And by the way, Credit to the loud advocates of the gay community out there who have come forward and said, this is stupid, people. It's spreading in our community because of group sex activities. Cut it out for two weeks. It goes away. But it's the health care officials who didn't want to close down marijuana dispensaries and liquor stores, but wanted to shut down churches and schools. They're the ones say we don't want to hurt their feelings. I would rather you hurt people's feelings than have them get monkeypox and potentially be disfigured or die. This is bizarre. A 30-year-old festival regular who asked to be identified only by his nickname, Oni, citing privacy concerns, said he was being more cautious this year given his job as a masseuse, sporting a black leather and chain corset, lace-up mid-calf boots, chartreuse face paint, and a small set of horns. Oni said he didn't plan to have sex and had received the monkeypox vaccine weeks earlier. He left as the festival became more crowded and skipped the bars. For the time being, he said, no dark room sex parties, no orgies. Thank you. Thank you, seriously, for doing that. Dan Savage, the sex columnist who is gay, has said, uh, you now here we are really on the verge of monkeypox being endemic in the gay community. 
around the world. How is that for stigma? Savage, who is no prude as a proponent of non-monogamous relationships and fetishes, said public health officials should have advised gay men to curb their sex lives at the start of the outbreak. Savage is taking his own advice, limiting sex to his husband and his boyfriend and skipping the kink festival. You're not allowed to talk about these things, but if you don't talk about them, how are you going to stop the spread of monkeypox in the United States to all sorts of other people who aren't engaging in those activities that, but come into contact with the people who do? That public health officials cannot bring themselves to be open, transparent, and honest about where it's spreading, how it's spreading, and who's mostly getting it is why nobody trusts public health experts anymore. This is also why, I mean, the same thing with, with economic stuff. I mean, they don't want to be honest about inflation. They don't want to be honest about government spending. They don't want to be honest with taxes. It's why you need to be honest with yourself and realize we're back in the Carter administration era. And you might be able to use gold and silver to protect your money as a result. If you call my friends at GoldCo, 855-904-5933, you'll get a free wealth protection kit to learn how to use gold and silver to protect and grow your money. Thousands of retirees are protecting their retirement savings. Many are getting $10,000 or more in free silver for doing it. If you call my friends at GoldCo, you can find out how you qualify for their special offer, and you can get the free wealth protection kit. GoldCo's helped thousands of Americans. They might be a good fit for you. Their number is 855-904-5933, or just text ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. Got all the bells and whistles going off around here. Severe thunderstorm in my area. Fun times, summer in the south. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. Delighted to have you with me. Uh, you know, Vegas has rebounded uh, coming out of COVID. Even with the economy in decline, there's some warning signs out there. Uh, jobless numbers have creeped up. Walmart is cutting jobs. These tend to be precursor signs to a recession. Uh, and, but Vegas is booming. I got to tell you, I'm ready to go back. Um, I, I had to go out there at the beginning of July and it was a work trip. I did not get to, I, so I don't like to gamble. It's weird to go to Las Vegas when you don't like to gamble. Um, but I like to eat. If you've seen me, um, what I really like to do is go shoot guns in the desert, uh, and go to the grand Canyon. You can take a helicopter land in the Grand Canyon, and it is awesome. I love photography, love to go do that. I find it deeply relaxing, and I didn't get to relax uh, the last time I was there. But I was looking uh, for later this year, and hotel prices are up, uh, and the place is packed. So hotels have gone up, prices have gone up, and the place is slammed. It seems like people are just ready to get back to normal after COVID. Even with all of the economic news out there, people just are ready to get back uh, and do real work and enjoy themselves, which is why this place is going gangbusters. I bet Disney is too.